We back in Hebrews this morning, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. The theme for this morning's message, how to endure to the end. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do want to endure to the end. We do want to continue in your ways. We do want to hold fast to the confession of our faith. And we know that none of this is possible apart from the empowering of your Spirit and the empowering work of the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord of glory. And we want to do this because Jesus prayed Father, I pray that those whom you have given me may be with me to see my glory. We want to see the glory of the Father. We want to see your glory shown to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would now coach us and teach us and train us how to endure to the end. In Jesus' name, Amen. So when I was on leave a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ruth preached, one of our elders, from Second Chronicles chapters 14 to 16 on the life of King Asa and showed how Asa did not endure to the end. Uh, Asa served the Lord, he was faithful to the Lord, but toward the end of his life he turned away. The same in the New Testament, you've got the example of Demas, where Demas served the Lord. He was a fellow worker of the Apostle Paul. We read of him in Colossians chapter 4 and the book of Philemon, the second last verse. And yet Demas did not endure to the end because in the very last letter that Paul wrote, Paul said that Demas has turned away from me because he has fallen in love with the world. 2 Timothy 4 verse 10. And today many people who are in churches, who call themselves Christians, they profess to be Christians, they turn away. They turn away from the truth of God's word. They turn away from the old, old story, the biblical gospel, as we see in the Dutch Reformed Church at the moment, with this whole um, gay debate where you find... Uh, that the Dutch Reformed Church has now really opened her doors to the world. Not only now, it's been happening for some years, but now it's just it's flagrant and it's, it's open where they embrace sin. Many Christians, under the pressure of the, the transgender agenda and the homosexual agenda, turn away and they don't endure to the end. So how will we stop from falling into the same trap? How will we prevent this? How will we make sure that and make certain that we're not swallowed by the world and that we will endure to the end? Well, that's what we find in Hebrews 12. Let's read verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So, four commands. First one is look back. That's in verse 1a. When I was at school doing athletics, especially for the middle distance event, you would have all the kids sitting on the pavilion and shouting uh, to the runners on the field, the runners on the track, to keep on going, to not give up, to continue in the race, spurring you on, encouraging you. And that's exactly what the heroes of the faith do in the Old Testament and in the New Testament for us uh, and in, through our church history. So these, these heroes of the faith, their example, that's what we look back to, to say, but they endured. And that spurs us on to continue, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, meaning all the fearers of the faith in chapter 11. And the picture you see, it speaks of a cloud of witnesses. I almost see the picture of, of all these uh, runners who've finished their race and now they're sitting in, a, in the arena and their example spurs us on. It, it spurs us on to continue in the race. And it's like they're wearing white, uh, the color of the conqueror of those who have conquered, of those who have finished, of those who have obtained the prize. And all these people in the arena with their white garments of victory, it looks like a massive cumulonimbus cloud, this, this white cloud of witnesses. Now the idea we, we learn here is not that um, the believers who have died are looking down from heaven and they see us and they encourage us. Uh, or that we should somehow talk to the dead. That's not the idea. The idea is that their example encourages us to continue and to persevere, to endure. And that's why I love reading church history. That's why I love reading Christian biography, to encourage me from the lives of other Christians, to see how they endured, to see, despite all their failures and all their sins and all their weaknesses, how they looked to Jesus for grace and for hope and for forgiveness and to continue the race and to finish the race. And I believe it's, it's very healthy to have heroes of the faith. Like in chapter 13, verse 7, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And I don't mean we should idolize people. I don't mean we should worship these heroes of the faith. But we should see and should listen how they testify, how they are witnesses to Jesus. Verse 1, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. They are witnessing to the fact Jesus is the one the, we should believe in. He's the object of our faith. He's the one we should look to. So really, it comes back to the command I just gave that says, look back, look back, look back to these these heroes of the faith. And that will also help you that you do not become discouraged and don't think that, oh, I'm alone in this race. You're not alone. I think of believers who will sometimes say, you know, I'm the only one in my family. I'm the only one in the complex I live in. I'm the only one at my workplace. I'm the only one in my school or my grade or my class who serves the Lord. I'm alone. 
And, you know, that makes, that causes me to think sometimes, is, is the Bible even true? Is it right? How can everyone be wrong and only I am right? Well, I, I think if you look to the heroes of the faith, then you won't have that mindset. You won't have that mindset thinking I'm, thinking, I'm the only one who believes that the Bible is right. I'm the only one who believes that Jesus is the only Savior. No, you won't think that way anymore. Because you see, you're not alone. Even if you're the only one in your family, you're definitely not alone. There are many, 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 many thousands, tens of thousands, into the millions and perhaps even into the billions who believe that the Bible is true and that Jesus is the only Savior. So look back. Second, look down. That's in verse 1b. <clears throat> so when you, uh, on a mountain bike, you people who like doing, uh, riding mountain bikes, if you're on a mountain bike and you're in some trek in the mountains or in the field or in the bush, um, you really have to concentrate much harder than an athlete would who's running in the road. You have to concentrate to see, oh goodness, there's a, a tree root. Oh, there's a pothole. Oh, there's a rock uh, on the path. Where someone who's running on the road, well, they don't have to really be... Um, or look out in the, in the same way and be so cautious. And I think I want to draw that illustration, draw the line to our text to say that we, in the spiritual race also, it's like mountain biking, that you have to be very cautious and look out for all these traps and all these nets and all these stumbling blocks and all these potholes. Look down, look down, look down. And then you will do what verse 1 tells you. It says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. As you look down, you see the traps and you can escape them. Just like when it says lay aside every weight, it's like uh, in the first century where athletes would run without a shred of clothes. Nothing to hinder them, no coat um, or anything of the sort to hinder them in the race. And so in the same way, spiritually, we need to get rid of anything and everything that will hold us back in the spiritual race. Even if it's not sin. Because verse 1 makes a distinction between sin and weight. So some things aren't sin, but they weight. They're holding you back. Like in Luke chapter 14, verse 18 to 20. I can't come to the king's wedding. I can't come to his son's wedding because I bought a farm or I've started a business or I got married or whatever the case may be. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 12, he speaks of, yes, not everything is sin, but I'm not going to be enslaved by anything. So now the question for us, we need to ask ourselves, is there anything in my life, something good, something neutral, it's not sinful, but it tempts me to sin. It tempts me, it, it, it keeps me back in the spiritual race, it's holding me back, it's holding me back from growing in a relationship with the Lord or being involved in the body of Christ or getting to good works. Maybe a relationship, maybe a friendship, or social media, spending too much time in that, or the internet, or television. Or maybe your job, it's keeping you so busy you don't have time for the Lord. Or your studies, or relaxing, relaxation, or uh, maybe a hobby, maybe exercise. You're so busy exercising, always at the gym, always on the sports field, or maybe it's food, or sleep. You love sleep too much and it's holding you back. It's not sinful. It's not sin to sleep, but it becomes sin for you. 
because it's holding you back in the race. And in that case, you need to get rid of that immediately. And then also sin. So not only weights, verse 1 also says we should lay aside sin, which clings so closely. You simply cannot go forward spiritually. You cannot not advance in the spiritual race if you are playing with sin. If, you, if you're hiding sin in your heart, uh, or you're treasuring sin in your heart, Psalm 66, 18, if I treasured sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard my prayer. Because what sin does very, very easily, it, it surrounds you like robbers or like a net around your ankles, around your feet, and you get trapped. Uh, it's like some certain kinds of, of weeds. and You know, you walk in the felt and they just stick to your socks and you don't get rid of them easily. Or like rats, if there's an empty house, a vacant house, and it's been standing empty for a long time, it, uh, it's infested by rats. And the same sin, sin infests our hearts very quickly and very easily. So we shouldn't allow, we shouldn't allow sin to, its roots to go deep into our lives. We should cut it out and remove it and dig it out and get rid of it and confess our sin and repent of our sin and find forgiveness and bring our sin to the Lord. And even though it's red as scarlet, that we can trust that the Lord, through the blood of Jesus, He will make it white as snow. He will cleanse us. He will purify us. So a daily repentance of sin, a daily confession of sin, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The moment you sin, confess that sin. Turn away from that sin. And then also the, the put off and put on that we find in the letters of Paul. Putting off sin and putting on righteousness. So turning away from what is wrong and replacing it with what is right. Always doing so by faith. Trusting and asking the help of the Spirit to turn away from sin and to be obedient. And then be accountable to others. Be accountable to other believers. Second Timothy 2.22 Speaking of calling on the Lord um, together with those, together with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So you're not doing this alone. You're pursuing righteousness together with others. And even ask them for prayer. Say, please pray for me. I really struggle with my temper or with lust or with anger or with pride or whatever it may be. Be accountable. Number three, third command is look forward. So we've had look back to the heroes of the faith, look down so you can miss the potholes and the nets and the traps, and then look forward, verse 1c. Some Christians simply can't get past their past. Uh, they, cannot get, they cannot move forward. They cannot get past their past. They cannot move forward and away from things that they have done to other people or things that other people have done to them. And very often you'll find with such people, even just in normal conversation, you talk to them and you find that it always comes up. It's always, it's always a topic that comes up in, in normal conversation. And it simply shows that they have not forgiven. Even though they say they have forgiven others, the fact that they keep on talking about it shows they have not. Or on the other hand, it shows that they cannot believe that God has forgiven them. And that's why they keep on talking about what they have done. And Scripture says, the Bible teaches us, forget the things that are behind and look at this course that is set before us. Run the race that is set before you, verse 1c. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
Paul even in Philippians 3, 12 to 14, same kind of thing. And, and merely the fact that, that the Bible compares the Christian life to a race, uh, well, it shows you it's not always going to be easy. It's a race, verse 1 says. Uh, Paul says, I finished the race. Paul says that I do not want to be disqualified from this race. I want to endure. I want to cross the finish line. So it's a race. And the fact that it's a race also shows us, you know, sometimes it's going to be hard. And it is hard. It is hard to say no to sinful desires. It is hard to get rid of things that are totally lawful and completely lawful. You're allowed to do that. But you need to get rid of those things. It's a weight. It's holding you back spiritually. That's not easy. And it's no joke to keep on going, to endure in this race, especially if you're going through deep waters and it feels that you do not find God. Like Job in chapter 23, I cannot find him. It seems he's not answering my prayers. That's hard to keep on going. It's hard to keep on going in the Christian life if you're a Christian in Iran or in North Korea. It's hard. Or if postmodern culture, our culture, tells you, oh, you're just, you're just being biased or you're, a, you're bigoted. You're bigoted and, and you don't accept other people and you can't bear with other people simply because you believe the Bible and you say that Jesus is the only way. It's very difficult to be a Christian. If everyone in the culture says it's fine for unmarried couples to live together, and you say it's not fine, it's sin. It's very difficult to keep on going in the Christian life if everyone bows the knee to Black Lives Matter with their transgender and homosexual agenda and you remain standing. It's very hard. But we shouldn't cave in. We shouldn't give in under the pressure. We must, verse 1 at the end, endure. Run with endurance. Because if you turn back before the end, you will not go to heaven. Chapter 3, verse 6. It says at the end, we must hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Matthew 10, verse 22, everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Romans chapter 11, verse 22. Uh, note the kindness and severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23. The Apostle Paul writes to that church and he says, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation, under heaven, and so on. Uh, so verse 22 says you have been reconciled, and then 23, if you continue in the faith. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 12, or chapter 2, verse 12, the Apostle Paul says to his friend, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure. Finally, number four, look up. So we've had look back, look down, look forward, and now look up. Verse 2 to 4. I remember my mother used to say that to me very often when I'm discouraged, uh, when I was still a single man. And uh, I was working as a youth pastor at a church in Elspreet, the Baptist church. And sometimes I'd call her and she would say those words. Look up, look up, look up. 
And the same, if, we, if we, we're going to endure in the, the Christian race, if we're going to go to the end, we have to look up. So how do you do it practically? The Greek word here where it says looking to Jesus, that word looking in Greek literally means looking away from everything else to look at this one thing. So it's like a batsman in cricket or um, if you're in the United States uh, in baseball. Uh, so the batsman, he has to block out everything out. Everything else needs to be blocked out. He simply focuses on the ball. And in the same way, we need to look away from everything and everyone else and focus on Jesus. So, so stop your ears. Stop your ears for worldly ideas and, and false religions and human philosophies and hear the voice of Jesus in the Bible. And you see Jesus. You look to Jesus. You see him in his life, death, and his burial, resurrection, and his ascension, and his reign, and his second coming. You believe in him. You look to him as your personal Lord and Savior. You look to him by meditating on his person, on his character. I'm just going to give you a number of examples from the Gospel of John. Just the names of Jesus. And then shortly, just one-liners. One to show what they mean. So Jesus is the word of God. John 1 verse 1. It means he reveals the father's thoughts to us. He reveals God to us. He's the creator. John 1 verse 3. Which means he's God. He's the lamb of God. Like in Exodus 12. The lamb needed to be slaughtered. And the blood was painted against the lintels of the door. And the doorposts. And then the destroyer wouldn't kill those inside the house. And so Jesus is the one who prevents the wrath of God from falling on us because it fell on him. He's the Lamb of God. He's the sacrifice for our sins. He's our rabbi. He's our teacher, John 1, verse 49. So he, he teaches us God's truth. He's the King of Israel, John 1, 49, which means he rules his people. He rules the nations. He's the King. He's the new temple. John 2 verse 19. So the Old, Old Testament temple was a shadow uh, of the, the Old Testament temple, the place where God and man meets. And now Christ is that place. He's the new temple. He's the judge. John 5 22. And he'll judge the whole world. He's the light of the world. John 8 verse 12. So in this dark world of sin, he's the one who leads us and guides us. He is, I am. John 8 58 before Abraham was, I am. So he's the eternal one. He's the unchangeable one, the immutable one, the self-existing God of Exodus 3 verse 14. I am who I am. He's the door for the sheep, John 10 verse 9. He's the one who leads us into green pastures. He feeds us. We are safe with him. The good shepherd protecting us against wolves. He's the way, the truth, and the life, John 14 6. So he's the true way to life. He's the only way to heaven. He's the bread of life. John 6.35 So he's the one who, who satisfies our souls. He satisfies the hunger of our souls. He's the resurrection and the life. Life, uh, John 11.25 So the one who gives us life. Uh, when we die, our souls continue to live. He who believes in me, though he die yet, he will live. And also our bodies. He will raise our bodies from the dead when he returns. 
and we will live forever. He is the true vine, John 15 verse 1. So through him we can bear the good fruit of repentance, John 15 5. He is the Lord and he is God, John 20 verse 28. My Lord and my God, Thomas said to him. So we should bow the knee and worship him. And we can, we can do the same with the rest of the names of Jesus in Scripture. There are many. I actually had a much longer list. And then I reduced it to just the names in the four Gospels. And then I reduced it more to just the Gospel of John. But you can do this. And you can take all those names and meditate on what they mean. Who is Jesus? And, and this is the Jesus we look to. This is the Jesus of verse 2. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. And you entrust yourself to him. You, trust, you entrust your life to him. And you follow him with all your heart. And he's, it says in verse 2, this one, this one, this Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. So he's, he's the one, the Greek word for founder means the one who not only founded the movement, the one who founded something and then he continues to remain the leader. So he's the founder of our faith and he continues to lead us. He's the captain of our salvation, chapter 2, verse 10. So he's the one who, who has now gone ahead of us uh, like someone in the bush and you're trying to make a path and he takes a panga, he takes a chopping knife or an axe or whatever tool to to chop off branches and to clear the, the way so that we can now have a way. And Jesus is that way. He's the forerunner on our behalf. And because Jesus himself walked the road, he knows where the stumbling blocks are. He knows where the potholes are. And so we should follow his footsteps. Everyone who professes or says that he abides in Christ must walk as Christ walked. And then verse 2 also says, not only the founder, but also the perfecter of our faith. So all believers, all believers through Jesus Christ, we will arrive in heaven safely. He's the perfecter. And then even further, even further, when Jesus returns and we receive our glorified bodies, he's the perfecter of our faith. He who began the good work in you will complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has called you is faithful. He will surely do it. He's the perfecter of our faith. All right, so our job, our job is to persevere or to endure, verse 1. And his job is to give us the ability and the strength and the grace to persevere and endure, verse 2. He's the perfecter of our faith, but verse 1, we, we must persevere. That's uh, the kind of um, verses you find in New Testament epistles, like in Philippians 2. You must work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, verse 12. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Peter says... Uh, there's an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power, so God's power, are being kept and guarded through faith. You must believe, but he will keep you. He will give you the ability. Jude, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Verse 24, now to him who is able to keep you. And that is why one of the reasons why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus did not only die on the cross so that we would be justified or that your sins would be forgiven, but also that you would be sanctified and that you would persevere. That 
through the death of Jesus, God ensures that the Holy Spirit will help us to persevere to the end, to endure to the end. And then, of course, Jesus also walked this, this Calvary road, the road of the cross, to set the example for us. Not only to die in our place, not only to forgive our sins, not only to ensure the Spirit will help us persevere, but to set the example so that we can also know how must we endure through trials, how must we endure to the end. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter, or the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So look to him, look to his example, despising the shame. And he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. 1 Peter 2.21 So what was, what was the secret? What was Jesus' secret? Well, Jesus looked past the cross. He looked beyond the cross. He looked at the joy that was set before him, verse 2 says. So he looked, he looked at the joy that was set before him, being seated at the Father's right hand, being glorified at the Father's right hand, seeing how millions of people are saved because of his death, how millions of people bow before him in worship and serve him and love him and adore him with the rest of creation. And that is how he endured. The shame. Of the cross, the shame of people mocking him, scoffing at him, people spitting at him and on him, and stripping him naked to hang between heaven and earth on a cross and killing him. That's how he endured. Verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So think like Jesus. Think of the joy that is coming, the joy that is set before us, and that will help you, verse 3 says, to endure and not grow weary or faint-hearted. But, but of course, you'll, you'll have to know, you have to understand what is coming. You have to understand. It doesn't help you think of heaven as this place where it's brilliant, bright, and white light, and so bright you can't see anything, and you're always going to be on your knees singing forever and ever and ever and ever, or you're going to sit in the cloud, and you've got little wings, and you play on a golden harp, or playing a golden harp. Well, no one finds that attractive. So why should we look at that if we think that's the joy that is set before us? That's not the joy. If we find a biblical view of heaven where heaven is a world of love and peace and joy and grace and happiness and perfect relationships, no more tears. Look at the new earth, biblical description of a restored garden of Eden, except there's no Satan to tempt you. There are no demons. There's no tree of the knowledge of good and evil as a test. There's no possibility of eating the fruit and dying. Uh, it's just a restored garden of Eden and much greater with glorified bodies, perfect bodies that never grow old or weak or tired or die. Uh, if you've got that picture, a picture of mountains and rivers and trees and fruit and animals who won't kill each other but just peace and harmony, no more sin, no more death. Well, that's the picture. That's the joy that we see. And, and above all, Jesus, 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 knowing him and his glory and his majesty and his brilliance and his brightness and his beauty and his fullness. And knowing that Jesus is greater than and more wonderful than anything in creation and all things in creation, all the wonderful things put together. He's, he's better than that. Well, then... 
we endure and look at the joy set before us. So are you tempted? Are you tempted to just throw in the towel? You're tempted to just give up because these trials are getting too hard. And you're just tired of always trying to defend the Bible against your family who hates Christianity. and Your family treats you differently and pushes you out. and Just not treating you in a nice way because you're a Christian. Well, then look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He endured the shame. Look to Jesus. He endured hostility from sinners, verse 3. And then don't give up, but think of the reward. Keep the eyes fixed on Jesus and ask him, please give me the grace, give me the strength to endure to the end. And then make use of the means of grace. What God has given you, these means by which he gives you grace. Make use of these means of grace so that you can endure. He's given you the word. He's given you the preaching of the word. He's given you a Bible. He's given you the gift of prayer. He's given us prayer meetings. He's given us the fellowship of believers to know I'm not alone in this battle and in this race. He's given us the Lord's table to remind us there's forgiveness when we stumble and fall, when we sin, and to remind us that sin should not make us sink, and to remind us that sin is serious. It was... uh, Great price, and we shouldn't play with it. And you should see red lights flashing if you've started neglecting those means of grace. The means of grace because it shows you are busy backsliding. So you're not with the believers, you're neglecting the fellowship of the saints, you're neglecting the word, you're not under the word, you're not spending time in prayer, You haven't been at the Lord's table for a long time. I'm not talking about those who can't do these things like fellowship because of lockdown and you're part of a large church and you can't gather. I'm not talking about that um, because there's still technology and you can meet with others, although it's not in person, but as soon as we can to meet in person and to enjoy these means of the means of grace. So if you have started backsliding, turn back immediately. Turn back to the Lord immediately. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. I turn my feet to your testimonies. Return to the works you did at first. Return to your first love. Repent. Be zealous and repent. So do it quickly. Do it quickly. And call out to the Lord for forgiveness and for restoration. And then also think of this, that your suffering does not measure up to the suffering of Jesus. So like these Hebrew Christians, none of us, none of us sitting here has died for our faith because of the sin of unbelievers who persecute Christians. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus did. And many Christians in church history has. And many Christians, even in our own day, they have. So how do, you, how do you remain standing? How do you keep on in the race? Look to Jesus. How did they keep on? They looked to Jesus. They received their grace and their strength from Jesus. And if they could go through death, well, then you and I can certainly endure in this race and hold fast to Jesus in this society of ours, in the midst of a society that's not very friendly toward Jesus. We can endure. And so may the Lord help us that we will not deny his name 
that we will not give up in the race when the world is standing next to the field and shouting, Boo! Boo! That you will not give up. And if you focus on Jesus and you believe in Jesus and you follow his example, you will have strength. You will have grace to endure to the end. But if you take your eyes off Jesus and you start listening to the world, well, you'll give up. And you will not finish the race. And then you'll be like Julian the Apostate, one of the Roman emperors in the 300s AD. Julian the Apostate, he grew up in a Christian home. And when he was a young man, he openly denied the faith and returned to pagan religions and even started pushing it and aggressively, aggressively started making things hard for Christians, actively persecuting Christians and pushing his pagan agenda. And in the end, he died in a battle against the Persians. And as he was carried off the battlefield, busy dying, wounded, he said these words, O pale Galilean, meaning Jesus from Galilee. O pale Galilean, you have conquered. So we, we don't want to be like Julian. The, otherwise, you're going to be the kind of person when pers persecution does come to South Africa, you'll be the kind of person who reports the leaders, who reports your fellow church members to the authorities. But for those who persevere, for those who endure, there is a reward. To use the words of Jesus in Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we are not alone in this race. We've got believers running the race with us. We see the examples of those who finished the race. And above all, we have Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit to help us to endure to the end. And especially in times like this, Lord, really we have nothing to complain about. We do not understand anything of, of persecution against the church. But even if it does come, I do pray that you would help us to endure, to hold fast, looking to Jesus, who finished the race and who made a way for us, that we too can endure to the end. In Jesus' name, Amen.